Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Okay, today we're doing something a little bit different uh, than usual. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast around the day that it comes out, then hopefully you already know that last week uh, we did something a bit out of our normal wheelhouse in that we released a science fiction or speculative fiction anthology of 14 stories all about the future of work called Working Futures. Uh, and if you're one of those people who delays listening to podcasts and you're listening to this way in the future, then know that sometime in the past, uh, hopefully not too long ago, uh, we uh, still released a, a speculative fiction anthology called Working Futures. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should go find it. Uh, the idea behind this project was that uh, we keep hearing everyone talk about the future of work, uh, but at least to me, they... they um, the conversations about the future of work were a little bit frustrating and that they tended to fall into one of two camps. Um, there were those who say that things like artificial intelligence is going to take over and everyone's going to lose their jobs and the world will be terrible and we're all going to die and nobody's going to have anything to do. Uh, and then there are those who say that uh, something will come along and everything will be fine because that's what's always happened in the past with technological progress. And even when it's looked like jobs were going to go away, something else has come up to take Take its place. Um, personally, I, I find both of these trains of thought to be a little bit lacking. Uh, even if I'm probably, I would put myself into that latter camp and, and believing that things are will figure out a way to work themselves out. But I, I also sort of hate not knowing how they'll work themselves out. Uh, and I feel like these two different approaches are, are actually not very useful for anyone who wants to help make sure that the future of work is actually something uh, useful and fulfilling. So. In an effort to try to help people to understand what the future of work might really look like and how to drive us more towards the good possibilities and hopefully away from the bad possibilities, we began the Working Futures Project. Um, and it started with uh, an online survey that we, we hosted on TechTrid originally, asking people to weigh in on a variety of factors and driving forces about what might impact the future of work and how strong an impact it would be and what the likelihood of, of those things happening uh, would be. And from the results of that survey, we then created a special card deck and a scenario planning game. Uh, and we hosted an all-day event in San Francisco using those cards uh, to generate a, a bunch of scenarios, which was a, a really fun and interesting process. Uh, and then from that, we created a packet of 10 different scenarios, which we then sent off to a whole bunch of uh, different writers uh, to use as inspiration to create stories. Uh, and finally, out of uh, that, we got a whole bunch of story submissions, and uh, eventually we whittled it down to uh, the 14 wonderful stories that are in the collection. So if you haven't already gotten it and read it, uh, you should. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's some really, really fun and interesting stories that all touch on the future of work, often in very, very different ways, but very interesting ways. Uh, and you can get the book uh, via our website at uh, working Futures, uh, which is Working Future, and the ES at the end is after the dot. So uh, workingfuture.es 
hopefully you can figure that out. Uh, or you can just go to Amazon and search for Working Futures. There's a ebook, Kindle ebook version, which is two ninety nine, or you can get a paper book paperback version, which looks great, I will say, uh, and that's nine ninety nine. Um, and there's some way to get them both. Uh, together for 10.99, so uh, it's a good deal. You should check it out, uh, and you should do that. But today on the podcast, I have three of the authors who contributed stories. Uh, we have Chris Hooten, uh, Catherine Dow, and we have James Yu, uh, and well, I guess also myself because I actually have a couple stories in the book as well, which is a little bit of a different experience for me uh, as I haven't written fiction in probably 20 years or so. So, um, Chris, I'm going to start with you on the podcast. Um, since you were actually one of the people who attended the session that we had in San Francisco, uh, now about a year and a half ago. Um, and so I wanted to talk to you first about your experience with that before talking about your story, which is in the book as well. So, um, welcome to the podcast. First yeah, of all, th um, thank you, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I feel kind of privileged to be able to participate in this process in, in two different aspects of it. So in the planning scenarios and then later on being able to write and, and getting my story selected to be part of the anthology. From the from the planning scenario side, it's looking back on it, it's really interesting because I, I was going into that not with the writing aspect in mind right. at all. My my background, my, my day job uh, is as a public policy researcher, economist, and so there was a genuine professional and personal interest in just trying to f have a group of experts discussing what is a realistic set of potential scenarios related to, to technology and, and development going forward you know, 30 years out, 40 years out, whatever the time frame might be. Yeah. So I came in into the whole situation really from a purely kind of intellectual exercise standpoint, wanting to, to better understand where things were going at other experts outside of Washington, D.C., where I lived at the time. So the non-policy folks, more on the science side, the engineers, the data scientists, people like that. Now, though, having done through gone through the game scenarios and then having the opportunity to actually write based off of those game scenarios i it really hit home i think the uh, what you talked about earlier which is those kind of two dichotomous sides of of the debate what right. doomsday scenario versus the the uh, uh utopian kind of the modern day <laughs> use of the word you know everything's great and nothing's bad yeah from from my perspective i think the scenarios really brought out the the idea that uh, well one as a quick disclaimer i also think i tend to be more on the positive side but the scenarios i think brought out in me a, a stronger recognition of not so much worry about where society is going overall or where technology development is going overall i think at a macro level at a high level the i do tend to think that human society civilization is quite well adapts quite well and that we'll be able to integrate in new technologies and you're not going to have mass unemployment and mass uh, displacement purely because of technology but when you start drilling down into uh, questions around inequality regional differences I think that popped up the most within those gaming scenarios, partially because we were able to bring in people that lived in, in different locations. It wasn't just people from San Francisco right. talking to people from the Bay Area. It wasn't just people from D.C. talking to people from the D.C. area and not just those two camps represented overall. 
so that was the the really interesting aspect of it was if if we work on the assumption at least i will that we're not talking about two different extremes then how do we identify and communicate effectively those middle ground issues yeah um, from a policy standpoint from a societal standpoint and i think hope i think that's where the stories came in and will be effective yeah and 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 also i mean one of the things that i found interesting and we'll get to your story in a second and it, it, within the um the card deck and, and the game was that it, it sort of um to some extent, it forced people out of their normal comfort zone. At, at least that was my impression. I mean, you know, we had a whole bunch of people at that session, you know, um, from all different perspectives and all over the place. And there were policy people, but there were there were activists and, and media and entrepreneurs and technologists and um, investors and, and all different, all, all different. And, and what was interesting, because the the cards themselves sort of would help frame like what are we discussing like what does the world look like if if this this and this happens or what if you know this aspect changes what if you know what if we have the same scenario and uh you know climate change is a big problem or what if it's not a big problem like you could adjust these knobs and sort of see what happens and it, what was interesting to me is even people who i think had very strong opinions about the future of work coming into that session like the the way the um the the process was set up it sort of forced people to take a step outside of their their sort of um existing beliefs and say well what if um which which i thought helped make really good and useful scenarios that that we could then hand out mm -hmm. Definitely. um so so let's let's talk about your story uh which is titled uh, a brief history of algorithmic life introduction. Um, and I will note that it is the final story in the collection. We think it's a, it's a really great sort of closing story. Um, we're wondering if anyone's going to get confused that it says introduction <laughs> as part of the, the final story. But mm -hmm. uh, Chris, uh, why don't you talk about sort of what was, what was your thinking with this, this story and how did it come about? Mm -hmm. So it, it came about obviously from the scenario planning, like all of them. But what I realized after the 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 day where we were talking about the different scenarios of what could happen and and getting into a lot of detail on those that one thing that i've not seen in a lot of sci-fi is well one thing that i've seen in a lot of the sci-fi that i do read is a big focus on the the science aspects of uh -huh. sci-fi so trying to get all the technical aspects correct and trying to get the um the um, the background technically correct within a story and that can sometimes supersede the the language so what i wanted to do was uh, try to just honestly write a, a sci-fi story that sounded pretty that tried to uh -huh. use pretty language because i thought that that by itself could add something to a anthology that was specifically designed around what I would say are more realistic scenarios in terms of where science might be, where technology might be 30, 40 yeah. years down the line. This is not, you know, alternate universe, um, uh, you know, living in a sand dune planet with, you know, <laughs> giant worms. This is founded in reality and, and founded in not only that expert uh, ideas about where we're going. So I thought that the technical aspects could almost be, uh, removed to some degree. 
Yeah. And, and quickly to the title, I, I personally like seeing stories and reading stories that play with linear timelines a little bit. So I, I guess you could call it ironic intentionally that you would call something a brief history of, of algorithm right. like introduction <laughs> and then put it at the end. But I actually think it also kind of fits with the story because yes. the opening part of the story is the end. And it's actually, if you're looking at the a normal timeline without trying to give too much away, a normal timeline of a character, it's starting with the end point of that timeline as opposed to yeah. the beginning point of that timeline. And then if you're getting just more, maybe quickly a little bit more into the overall story. So it's the idea is that it's a, kind of a textbook or a history book about the start of, I, I use the term algorithmic life because one of the strongest things that came out of the planning scenarios for me was that when we start talking about things like artificial intelligence, that no one really seems to know what artificial intelligence means, or at least <laughs> they don't agree with what artificial intelligence means. And so even using the term artificial intelligence can be troublesome from a variety of technical and, and, um, I don't know, sociological standpoints, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, what I, the, the purpose of using the term algorithmic life was for that, and I used the term organic life, and I wanted to clearly show the distinction between, or try to clearly show a distinction between there's our world or, you know, biological organic world of, of Earth, and then this new set of life um, or organisms that are based off of algorithms and machine learning and AI and, and where that goes, it, it leaves it fairly open and speculative, right? Cause this is just yep. the introduction, but this is kind of the inception point, if you will, on that um, movement into the life in, in world, right? In the world. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it is, you know, it is a really, you know, as you said, it is a very beautiful story. It's, it's um, it, it paints a picture of a world that's very, very, very visual as you read it and, and very clear. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it, it is, I mean, it's the description. I mean, everyone, you know, on the editorial team who, who read it, you know, a lot of people sort of use the phrase like just, you know, either very visual or beautiful. I mean, it has that, that sense to it. Like you really, um, can picture that world where you're sort of introducing, um, sort of the, the earliest algorithmic life in a, in a very, um, uh, it's 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 kind of an emotional story, uh, and it's, so it's it's done really really well. Thank you. And what just one quick thing, I I have to, I guess, give a posthumous shout out to to Tokian, who he I was reading um, the Silmarillion as I was writing this as well, mm -hmm. and I, trying to draw inspiration from how he would put together language. Obviously, I'm not writing about Middle Earth <laughs> or, or using right. quite as maybe biblical of language in this. It's much more <laughs> updated, but that as a kind of base inspiration. Oh yeah, interesting. It's it is always interesting, sort of like yeah, sort of who you're sort of mentally channeling uh, whenever you're doing any kind of writing. Um, great, great. So, um, Catherine, let's let's move on to you, and uh, your story is called the Funeral Company, um, which um, also um, it, it was interesting. You know, in in reading through all these stories, I'm 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 happy to have both you and Chris on on the podcast together because. Um, yours were the, those two stories were the ones that, that stood out really quickly to people in that they, they sort of had a very strong emotional connections to both of your stories. Um, and so, um, it, this was an, another one that was, um, you know, it had a real sort of emotional resonance with people and, and they sort of gravitated very quickly to 
kind of the the heart of of the story. So, um, Catherine, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, about the funeral company? Sure. Um, so it was this whole process was really interesting um, cre- creatively for me. Uh, at first. I was, um, I would say I was a little overwhelmed by the volume of the scenarios, <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel like they actually gave me invitation to play with ideas once I started worrying about that, you know, too mm-hmm. much. And I was able to let my imagination go from there. So, um, as I considered the different scenarios and prompts, I started to think a lot about our relationship with technology and privacy, but also, mm-hmm how that impacts social class and the environment, um, for example. So in the end, the, I kind of focused on, with the funeral company, a story that was intended to show both sides of techno- technological advancement. So how a corporation, for example, can use lack of privacy for profit, but also how people, uh, a segment of society can choose uh, to use technology as well to protect their privacy. So. Um, when I was thinking about the future of work, I actually kind of started with thinking about the past. Um, so for a long time, I've been fascinated by the Luddite rebellion in England at the start Mm -hmm. of the industrial revolution. So, and one of the common misconceptions I think of the Luddite movement was that they were anti-technology, that they just went around, you know, smashing machines because they didn't want new technology interfering with how they were used to doing things. Uh, but in my opinion, it was a lot more complicated. It wasn't really about technology. It was about losing control over their lives. Uh, So they were opposed primarily to not having a voice in how it was used and how it impacted their ability to set prices, for example, for their goods, as they'd been able to do in the past. And um, so in a sense, they were people rebelling against their inability to be self-sufficient and have a life built according to the terms that they wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about, um, you know, what, what it means to live in a world where, uh, you know, privacy is, um, is increasingly difficult to find just because mm-hmm. of the way the economy is set up, what it would be like if that, if it continued with that trend, what it would be like if the government, um, got involved and how, you know, they might do it. And then I was also thinking that a story about the future of work for me, it wouldn't really be complete unless, you know, you take into consideration climate change as well and how that impacts kind of everything and how people adapt. So mm-hmm. unlike Chris, um, who's more optimistic, I tend to be more <laughs> pessimistic in regards to whenever I think about climate change. But at the same time, I really strongly believe that people are incredibly resilient and that they will adapt um, to, to the changes that come their way. So whether it's, it's um, with a very different planet, having a very different relationship with our planet, or whether it's how they use technology and how they choose to um, have a relationship with technology. Um, so in, in terms of the environment thing, um, I thought about uh, how, um, how animals in the desert and other hot climates adapt to the weather. So they often sleep during the day and stay awake at night when it's mm-hmm. cooler. Uh, and then I thought about how resources and income have throughout history been unevenly distributed and how that's likely to continue into the future. So I wondered if our climate continues to change, um, how people would adapt according to the financial resources they have, um, as well as how larger society and government systems respond. 
Um, So I decided it'd be interesting to create a society that it shifted its habits about when to be awake and asleep, (laughs) Um, you know, go to work, go to school to echo the lives of of desert animals. Um, And also, you know, how skill sets uh, evolve. So the the protagonist in my story is somebody who has a skill set from an earlier era um, that not a lot of people have that's not really based on technology and how, um, you know, Nevertheless, there's there's a place for her because there are with this, you know, with people choosing to participate or not participate in a kind of a world of work in which um, inf- all the information about your life is out there. Um, right. You know, having somebody who knows how to actually um, do old school detective work to, to find out about this whole segment of society that's rejected or, or chooses to use technology in a different way. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's 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 a really fun and interesting story in that it, I mean, you know, it, it, all of the things that you said, like all are, are woven into the story very, very nicely. I mean, you have this sort of, you know, world where, where climate change has clearly had an impact, but, you, you know, there are also all these questions about, about privacy and technology and how people use it and whether or not um, they're sort of, you know, it's it's a, there's a, a a sort of on the grid, off the grid, right, <laughs> right. Um, concept built in, but but in a in a really interesting way, and in, in like the way that different people approach it, and and the decisions that they make, and and even the questions about like, do you go back and forth between being on the grid and off the grid, and can you can you live in one world while while having a foot in the other, right. um, at the same time, and, and what that means for the different people in the story. Um, which which is really good. I will also note that um, uh, a lot of people uh, uh, who who read that story upon finishing it said they wanted to know more. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's good if you ever decide to to expand that into into a longer work or a sequel or something. It yeah, was, I, I did leave it with a lot of questions at the end. Yeah, it's 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 a it's an open ended ending, uh, yeah. but in 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 a way that's 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 good. Uh, I think that 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 leaves people wanting more. It 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 you tie up. Um, perhaps a loose knot, <laughs> but, but leave a bunch of other threads out there for people who are like, but, ah, but wait, I want to know. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a really good story that way too. So I, I really enjoyed that. And everybody has, who's read it has really commented on it. Um, so James, let me bring you in. You've been nice and patient <laughs> and, and, and waiting on this. Um, so your story, uh, which is called the mummer, um, and, and, uh, to be clear, you had, when, when I had first, uh, spoken to you, you had admitted you had already written this story. So you had done this pre, uh, getting the packet though. It fits very much in with the, with the, the theory and, and the scenarios, um, and in fact, I think your story, when I first saw it, it was it was it was more of kind of what I expected um, the stories in the book to be. And one of the things that that mm-hmm. I'm really happy about with the book is that it has this huge variety of very very different styles of story. There's there's very little that's sort of like oh this is sort of the same kind of theme. There's very very different approaches, um, and and that's definitely true of the three of you, but but a bunch of the other stories as well. And yours is. Um, you know, I, I think in some sense it feels a little bit more of a traditional style of story. You you have somebody who is you know in a job that is that is that only exists because of artificial intelligence and kind of what then happens uh, because of that. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that story? 
Yeah. So I, and I'm, I'm sort of coming from this from working over you know, a decade in technology kind of in early stage startups and large platforms. And mm-hmm. uh, I had been writing a lot of these, they always say the, the first fiction stories that you write are autobiographical in some nature. So <laughs> I think this uh, so sort of came out from my work there. Um, and yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. This is a privilege to be able to talk about uh, my work. Um, and what you said in the beginning about black and white, how that was not really, uh, uh, you know, tech is good, tech, tech is bad. Uh, not very fulfilling sort of way to think about things. And that's why I really love fiction, because when you actually have to create authentic characters, uh, it forces us to think about sort of the nuances um, of the society that we live in. Um, so, yeah, my story, I, I, I deal with a few different uh, topics here. It is about autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and something, the, the thing that sort of sparked uh, uh, sparked this story is when I saw that a lot of self-driving cars uh, platforms were basically hiring what are called teleoperators. Um, basically, autonomy, you know, full uh, uh, full autonomy is not here yet. So they know that they need to fill in uh, these edge cases um, in, in, in their autonomous vehicles when they may, maybe hit like animals traversing the street or uh, some anomaly that uh, the AI has not been able to uh, attend with before. Um, so th- that sparked a sort of uh, idea in my mind of, well, it's almost like we're going to get huge call centers of people, <laughs> except, uh, and, and there are companies that do this where uh, they employ people and they have a panel of six to 12 screens and they can see everything that's in the car uh, and be able to basically help save the car <laughs> right. in the case when it gets stuck. Um, so this notion of almost like faux autonomy, where you get you get the 99% case, and then there's sort of the 1% case that is still humans in the loop, uh, intrigued me. Um, and also, secondly, about how our relationship with machines and technology, like we we shape technology, but also you know technologies uh, end up shaping us. Um, so I really wanted to do with, with my story was do a character study of. Uh, basically, a young man who is so good at mumming machines is a, is a term that I'm using to be able to control machines that he almost becomes a machine himself uh, in that way. And what does it mean for a whole gig economy of people who are basically closer to to machines than humans and sort of the activities that they're doing? And uh, and how do they sort of deal with society and deal with you know uh, uh, kind of that? Uh, gap that they have between uh, their daily work and then having an interface with humans outside of that. Um, so yeah, that that's 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 overall where the story came from. Yeah, yeah, and it's it it is a it, you have that and you have it sort of goes back and forth also between like yeah the interaction between between humans and and um, artificial intelligence and, and, you know, to some extent you can read that story and, and think about like a human who is acting like a machine, but also within that story, you have a machine who is acting like a human. So you have this, this sort of back and forth process. And, and, uh, that, that is, is very clever in terms of, of thinking about, you know, where do these, where are these lines drawn? Um, in some ways, you know, that relates a little bit to Chris's story too, which, which has some of that too, in terms of like, 
you know, uh, effectively a friendship between between uh, an artificial t intelligence and a, and a human or an algorithmic life, I should be clear, <laughs> uh, and a human and sort of that, um, you know, the boundaries and things that we've taken for granted for all of human history um, get a lot more blurry very, very quickly. And I, and I find that really intriguing um, between both of your stories, actually. Yeah, it's almost like we're meeting in the middle somewhere <laughs> yes. between machines and us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fun to think about if you if you move away from the two extremes, and, and that's not to discount the two extremes, but if you start to think of, well, how would groups adapt? How would humans adapt or, or mm -hmm. machines adapt as they're learning and, and being trained? Where those barriers would kind of break down between the two types of existence. That it, It's a fun thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, all of these, I mean, all three of the stories here were ones that I think, you know, there are these questions about, you know, about boundaries, right? I mean, that's, that's actually probably the, the, um, uh, the through line between, between all, between all three of them, sort of how the, how boundaries that have been around for a long time are shifting, um, through a variety of different factors, um, you know, mostly technological, um, but um, societal as well, uh, and it's 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 really interesting to see. You know, I, I um, you know, I don't know that. I think all three of your stories exist in different worlds. I don't think they exist in the in the same world. Um, but but they're all sort of um, different and interesting looks. Um, you know, and and you know, it's it's funny because like. Um, you know, I had somebody comment to me about this, this whole thing. It was like, oh, you know, if you're doing stories about the future work, are, you, are they just like stories about jobs? And they're not for the most part, right? I mean, they're, the, the jobs are there, um, but, you know, these are all stories that are driven by the, the stories themselves um, with the, the job sort of just being something that's, that's a part of the, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the overall theme that, that fits into uh, what makes that the story so interesting in, in each of in each of your cases um i think you know the uh james your your story focuses most on on a particular job um but you know there's there's a much broader um story and 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 theme throughout it which is which is which is really good um so I, I guess do do any of you have sort of any any thoughts final thoughts on on the overall process on on this idea I mean this was this was very much an experiment for us as well um you know it's been really fun to go through this we had no idea sort of you know how this would go from from the you know I, I had originally come up with this idea to to do this maybe 4 years ago and it took us a while to actually uh, have the time to 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 and, and the support to go and do it um and then uh you know it, it also took us a little while to get the whole program together but you know once we did it's been really exciting how it turned out it turned out very different than than i expected but in a lot of ways much much better than i expected um mostly because the stories that you guys all wrote were so so compelling and so interesting um, so I don't know from 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 your end. I mean, you explained a little bit about it, but but you know how, how give me some feedback <laughs> on on how the process was from your end. Uh, well, I'll I'll name names. Uh, <laughs> um, well, how about Catherine? You haven't spoken in a while. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I completely that your your last insight was really interesting about how every every story had something about actual jobs in them, but 
uh, for me at least, and I think it's true for most of the stories, a lot of it was about people's relationship with work, you know, and society's relationship with that and how things change, will change in the future and have, you know, been changing for hundreds of years and how people have adapted and, um, as, you know, as the world around them does. Yeah. So I, you know, that's actually really interesting to me that, that so many of the, the stories had that element to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and I, you know, I should, I'll talk a little bit about one of my stories just because why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, the first one that I wrote, the one that, that I was directly inspired by the, the, um, uh, the session that we did in San Francisco was one where people were talking about what, um, you know, they were talking about different things, I think sort of inspired by, you know, like the concept of movie pass, which is interesting now that movie pass has just gone out of business. Um, but was this idea where you would have like a subscription to, you know, to, to, you know, everything, you know, it was sort of expanded, extrapolated, take that concept. And there are, you know, there are other services that are like, um, like subscription to like, um, kind of, uh, gym memberships and, and, um, all different services that are starting to pop up that are sort of more subscription or even like, you know, razors, you know, there are all these sort of subscription services and there are things like, you know, Amazon prime, which, you know, is, is folding in all different things from delivery of products to, to, um, you know, uh, content delivery as well. And so I started to think about like, you know, what, what does the world look like when, you have more and more services delivered on a subscription basis. Um, and, and what does that mean if, uh, you lose your provider <laughs> was, was basically the the basis of it. And so that story is called prime of life, which, uh, is, you know, slight wordplay on Amazon prime, <laughs> uh, and, and trying to figure out like what happens if you've sort of given over your life to a particular company and then that company no longer wants you. Um, and, and what does that mean for your life? Um, but you know, at the same time, I wanted to take a somewhat sort of optimistic viewpoint on things. And so I began to explore then, you know, what happens when there are other companies that might compete to perhaps give you a better life <laughs> and then what does that mean? And, and so, you know, like all of these stories, I, I don't think of it as, as necessarily, um, you know, good or bad, right? There are all sorts of nuances and, you know, there, there are people who I think will read my story. I think we'll read all the different stories and say like, oh, there are people who can look at it and say like, oh, this is, this is kind of neat. Or that sounds really horrific. And I would never want to live in that particular world. Um, Whereas other people might find it like, oh, actually, that would be kind of neat, because all of these things would be really simple and easy. And I could do all this, this, you know, get all this uh, stuff that I don't want to have to deal with on a daily basis taken care of effectively. Um, and so, you know, I hope that that's a, that's a story that also um, is one that, that, again, gives people a sense of, you know, that these things are complicated and there are, there are interesting ways that, um, that uh, you know, good stuff can happen, but also bad stuff and sort of understanding, you know, how to, how to thread that line and how to, you know, move us more towards the good things rather than, than, and, and hopefully stay away from the bad things would be a really useful uh, approach to take as, as we go forward. Um, but um, yeah, did, did uh, James or Chris, do you have any other 
comments or thoughts? Uh... Um, yeah, just qu quickly, I think, you know, hearing you talk about your story, it makes me also recognize that probably different than a lot of sci-fi that people have read, or at least that I've read, which I think tends to be rather grandiose in a, in a good way. <laughs> the, right. These stories seem so personal and it, it's fitting for an anthology on the future of work, right? So maybe not personal in the sense of you, you're going to immediately recognize everything, every aspect of it and right. see your own life in it. But personal, in, we're, we're talking about jobs. We're talking about the daily interactions of individuals and what those will realistically look like. And it, it's just, a, I think, a, an interesting way of approaching really big topics and themes in yeah. maybe a more digestible way beyond uh, going to that complete fantastical realm where it's intergalactic space or, or alternative <laughs> reality. Uh, so right. I, I, it's fun to, to hear the stories about how these other stories were shaped. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with Chris on that, um, that uh, th these personal stakes basically in the story can uh, actually, you know, if done right, can be much more impactful to the reader than, you know, saving the planet, which is, <laughs> which is sort of the, uh, <laughs> the trope, right, that we see in a lot of science fiction. Um, and uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's a really great way for this anthology, the, the theme around this anthology as well. It's very, it is personal to each person because work is very personal to each person. Um, and, and I want to go back to something that you touched on, which is um, how it, how it, it's like the science, the science fiction, the sort of like futuristic jobs is, is sort of the setting for these things. And, yeah. um, humans are the, the humans are at the center of these, uh, stories. And, uh, I recently heard a theory or not, maybe not theory, but a posit that basically all stories are science fiction. It's just a matter of degree. Right. Even even the ones you know are that are very realistic short stories like Raymond Carver even back then. There's fantastic yeah. elements happening <laughs> in these stories, right? And I think that's also uh, it, it also points to how there's a lot more science fiction now in uh, popular media, just like in m movies, yeah, um, novels, and uh, I think that there is this sort of desire to. Uh, kind of understand um, how society changes uh, uh, via technology. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of interesting in the same way that like, um, you know, like I've been arguing for, for over a decade now that like, um, you know, companies shouldn't hire like chief digital officers or something, which was, you know, it's still a trend, but was a big trend about 10 years ago, because it's like, pretty much every business has to have a digital like everything like you can't it's not like a silo right it it, it mm -hmm. has to be kind of a, across the organization and i'd almost argue that's that's true of of you know the the science part of of science fiction right i mean like every story today you know technology is so uh, ingrained in our lives uh, again for both good and bad um that that you're right i mean every story to some extent is you know is kind of a science fiction story to, um and and so um you know, I, I think it's it's not it's not necessarily its own category anymore. It sort of spreads across absolutely everything, which is you know pretty interesting actually. <laughs> that's a it's yeah. a really good insight. Yeah, it's almost not uh, a genre. It's like a super genre where all the other genres can be encapsulated underneath the science fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's really good. All right, um, so I, I, I'm I'm going to let you guys go, but but uh, I, I I really appreciate uh, well I appreciate obviously all the work that you put into your stories um, and and that really you know um, as I keep saying like I, I, we were so amazed. I mean we got so many good selections and there were a bunch that we we couldn't even fit into the into the book, um, but you know the ones that you guys did were really really wonderful and it's it's such a nice collection and it it. It goes together so well in that you know they're they're really really different stories, um, and 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 in all different ways and and beautifully written and great compelling storylines and 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 uh, you know wonderful narrative arcs and and everything that just you know all touch on this this thing as the future of work, but it's not you know. This is not just a, an anthology for people who are solely interested in the future of work, right? There's there's all sorts of really just great, wonderful uh, stories in it, and and I appreciate the work that you put into into doing, uh, into creating these stories, and uh, and I also appreciate that you were able to take the time to join us on the podcast. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah, thanks sure. for having Thank us. You. And uh, thanks everyone for listening as well, and uh, we'll be back next week. Someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the tent. Hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the tent. Hurt to grab a shovel and dig up the tent.